All right. Well, hey, in case we get rained out, let me just throw the uh, whole sermon at you all at once, okay? The, today's lesson is read the Bible more. You got what you came for. You can go if you need to. Please don't. Um, I guess it's a good thing uh, to share at any time, um, but I'm bringing up this Bible reading thing actually because of uh, my experience and uh, something I've gone through with this, I'm going to call it a semester, it's just three months, of grad school that I've just gone through and literally just finished my last paper on uh, Thursday night. I had till midnight and I finished at 11.30. Um, people in my grad school program, were online right now, so uh, we're all over the world. There are people in uh, Africa and Europe and all over uh, North America. Uh, so I, I love that your paper is due at midnight your time, which is a nice <laughs> concession. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been in grad school. This is my third uh, module. Uh, the first one was back in the before times. You guys remember when people would gather in a room together and uh, things like that? It was great. <laughs> and then uh, our second one, we were going to go on a trip. Uh, but then uh, the pandemic happened, and so we've been all online since then. So um, I've been studying. I've been studying to get a master's in theology and culture. Um, but the way that that program is, usually, is being run now is it is eight hours on Saturday, every Saturday, for, for four months. And Saturday is the only day right now that I don't work <laughs> at all. So uh, I, I said, guys, I can't do it. I'll just skip out, and I'll just have to come back after COVID. Uh, and they said, well, we have this other program, uh, the uh, Institute for Religion, Peace, and Justice runs a slightly different program, but we share. If well, I, I'm out of the shot of the camera if I come forward. But we'll see if that's working too. I'll just, well, it, it just died. Okay, so um, I, I did this, this module of religion, peace, and justice. And one of the things that we dealt with uh, at some length was the violence that is in the Old Testament. Um, a lot of troubling passages that exist in the Old Testament. There are some in the New as well, but we were studying Old Testament stuff. And it was a really challenging journey for me to go with engaging with this material directly. I was raised uh, in an evangelical context in a Baptist church. Um, and in the context that I grew up in, um, we have a very high, high regard for Scripture. Um, in fact, we're often taught that, that Scripture is the Word of God as in like capital W for those of you who know the word logos, like that the, the Bible is the word of God, like, like as in, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is sort of what was taught for us about uh, what the scripture is. Um, and so for many who come from the tradition that I come from, who have a high value of scripture, um, they take the Bible often because it's so important, very, very literally. Uh, in fact, there are, are, are people within this community who see um, the, the Bible so literally that they, they would believe in a young earth. And maybe some of you guys are here today, and that's okay. Um, they would see the, the earth as being 6,000 to 10,000 years old. 
Um, but one of the things that also happens sometimes in these contexts is you're not allowed to ask questions. You just take the scripture wholly as it is and you deal with it. You just take it. If you ask questions about it, it feels like you're being disrespectful to scripture in some way. Um, and so that was a part of a tradition I grew up in. But at the same time, my dad, who was my pastor as a kid, before he was a pastor, he was a geologist. And geologists don't think that the earth, generally speaking, is 6,000 years old. They're more on the 4.54 billion years old way of thinking, um, give or take 50 million years. And so even though we had a high value for Scripture, we didn't ask a lot of questions of Scripture, we also held this other truth, that the earth is old. And so I knew from a young age there was some room for interpretation in Scripture. Um, and what I would generally do and what I learned when I came into a, a, a troubling passage is just to say, look, God is above us. God's ways are not our ways. Who am I to judge? And I would just move on uh, from a scripture that was troublesome. So coming back to this program that I was in, uh, we read a book called Disturbing Divine Behavior uh, by Eric Siebert. Uh, and suddenly, it's like for school, I'm having to confront these difficult passages. And I said that before. I talked a little bit about violence and difficulty in the Scripture. And I want to tell you what I'm talking about specifically. I won't go into too much detail. But we can look at some of the stories like from the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua... This is when the people of Israel come in and they take over the land. Uh, sometimes this is called a conquest narrative. And in some places in Joshua, although not all, uh, they're told, kill everybody. <laughs> Wipe out all the other peoples in the land. You're going to take over and you're just going to take them all out. And there's a number of places in, uh, where this happens in Joshua. And I, that's hard to deal with that a loving God, who I know, would say such a thing. And I had some pat answers for it. Um, I had some made-up answers that I came up with on my own. But mostly I just said, that's weird. God's ways are not our ways. Let's move on. Other things like this, one of the things we don't think about too often, the flood story. We paint that on kids' walls, an ark and a rainbow and the animals. But what if we were to think seriously about it? And I think that we don't um, think about it in a literal way a lot, even though we have varying points of view on how literal it may have been. But imagine everyone on earth drowning. It's a terrible story. <laughs> it's hard to reconcile that with a good God. Uh, likewise, uh, this is a very, very small story, but it always bothered me. But it's easy to ignore because it's so short. Uzzah um, in the ark. This is the story. They were, after David was king, they were transporting the ark of, of the covenant, the place where the presence of God rests. And the umble, uh, oxen stumbled and the ark began to rock. And Uzzah reached out and he touched it to stabilize it. And he was struck dead, according to the story. Man. It's really upsetting. It's, I'm upset now. Um, 
And it made me squirm. As my practice has always been, yeah, 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 let's just, and then David danced and stuff. Like, it's, let's move on to the good stuff. Let's just skip past it. Let's glaze over it. We'll just say, God's ways are not our ways. It's fine. But in this book, the author, he, he skewered that point of view. He said, look, all Christians, there are no Christians that I know of today that are saying, like, sometimes God wants us to do a genocide. Like, God loves to strike people dead instantly. No one is living their life with the perspective of a God who's into that kind of stuff. So we're already doing some interpretive work about who God is and how he operates, except for that instead of doing it thoughtfully and carefully through the lens of, of Scripture, we're doing it kind of automatically or by tradition in ways that make us comfortable. And it seems to me that making up the kind of God that's the kind of God you want him to be so that you're comfortable is probably not the best way to find God, who God is. And I was forced to deal with that because I was called out by this author in the book. I can't just move on and take the God I want to take. I'm going to have to take what's there and do something with it. And so I'm like, okay, let's get into it. And then in the book, uh, Siebert lays out the ways that Christianity from the beginning has dealt with these violent and difficult passages. Since the very roots of the church, there's been dealing with this. Jesus himself uh, says, you have heard it said, but I say, and remixes the scripture in some ways. Paul does it. Uh, other ancient thinkers have done it. And so I was uh, uh, subjected to all of these methods and techniques, ways to deal with this stuff so that we can find a God that, that seems right and truthful and scriptural while at the same time dealing with these difficult passages. So there's some ways of doing this. <laughs> but I don't want to go into the details of all the technique and the method today. What I want to talk about is some of the process and some of the stuff that's good about who God is that I found out in the process. Because what happened to me, long pause, was being subjected to, to all these methodologies I was suddenly in a whole new place of despair. Before I had a sense, I know who God is. I have been sort of taught, I'll go with it, I'll ignore the hard stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace the hard stuff. Let's get into it. Let's learn how to do this. And suddenly there's information from archaeology. There's information from history. There's information from science. There's the philosophies of people for the past several thousand years that I'm being subjected to. And I'm like, what hope is there? of ever knowing God if you have to be a PhD and speak Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic to read the Bible? What hope does any of us have? Maybe the, you know, pre-Vatican II Catholics, like, just leave it to the priests, had it right. I don't know. It was really upsetting. Some of you guys were with me in prayer group at this time. We're going through this, and you can know how despondent I was at this point. And I decided, look, I'm going to write my paper on this whole problem my final paper for the class. And in doing this paper, I did find one method. I'm going to share just a little piece of it with you, um, which is because it gave me a little hope. It could hopefully give you guys a little hope. And it also allowed me to engage with something else that God was already doing in my heart at the time. What I found was uh, there's a, a thinker, theologian called Brevard Childs, who has a thing called the canonical method. And I was asked, Kelly asked me, no big words. <laughs> So the canonical method, simply, the Bible, we call it the canon. It's not something you shoot things out of. It's spelled different. Don't worry about it. 
It's a collection of books. And the idea of the canonical method is the people that have put this together, the Bible, both in terms of the Hebrew Scripture collection and in terms of the New Testament, have included material in a thoughtful enough way and a spirit-inspired way that it is sufficient to understand itself. If you read the whole thing, the whole Bible, a lot, you can understand it in the context of itself, in the context of the rest of the canon. And for me, this was a huge balm, a blessing, because I was like, oh, I don't have to spend the rest of my life becoming a science Hebrew philosophy expert. I could do that for fun. But I don't have to do it to read the Bible. Anybody can read the Bible. You just have to compare it to itself. And the truth, by God's grace, by the text and by the Holy Spirit, will emerge. So that was a blessing. That felt like a way forward. But it also meant it still wasn't going to be easy. It's not a trick. It's not, oh, you just do this and you're fine. It meant I was going to have to read the Bible, the whole thing. I was going to have to read the tough passages, easier passages, and find ways to understand what is true about God in it. I was going to have to ask questions and deal with all of this. But that's the thing that was most important that I really want to share with you today, what's most vital about all of this. It's good that reading the Bible can be hard. It's good because God is big and personal, and there's a lot to him. Think about this. Imagine someone you know really well, maybe a, 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 a sibling, a spouse, a friend, who you know intimately. Think about how many books it would take to begin to reveal the true essence of who they are as a person. Think about the volume of text, the different kinds of books. You would need their calendar. You would need their diary. You would need a story of their life. You might even need stories that are not specifically literally true about them to get at some of the heart of who they are. That's just for humans. Think about just books aside, the work it takes to know someone. Think about someone you know intimately who, within the past year, you learned something new about them despite having known them for all your life, a story that you've never heard before. And then think about how big God is compared to that, and that he has all that complexity. Imagine a God, on the other hand, who could be sketched out in a pamphlet, all he is, or on a D&D character sheet. That's not a God that's worth knowing. It's not a person. It's just a force or an idea. But God is complex and whole. Conversely, imagine a Bible that is just a rule book. It's a set of instructions. We used to say, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. I have lots of problems with this sentence. <laughs> if the Bible was just rules, do this, don't do that, what would you ever learn about who God is in his fullness and his love for you? What would you ever learn about yourself and humanity? What a shallow and vapid encounter of the cosmic. Long pause. And so, it's hard. It's hard. We're invited to wrestle with the text. Who knows what the word Israel means? 
Wrestle with God. That's the whole thing. Struggle. It's hard. That's the other thing about relationships that are worth anything. It's hard. Marriages are hard. Friendships are hard. You have to struggle. Struggle to deal with the hard stuff and struggle to know each other and to be known and to move forward. So it's good to struggle with this stuff. It's good. Because the Bible itself is not who is referred to as the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Logos. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. A person. The Bible, the blessed and wonderful thing, it's not there for us to just receive. It's to reach through the text to find God on the other side of it. This is what we can do when we struggle. We can find the real word, the real logos. We can find Jesus in the Bible. In Matthew 7, 7 through 12, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It goes on to say, Which of you, if your son or daughter asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. If we ask God to tell us about God, he will. He did. He's been participant, I think, in the making of this book. And by engaging in it meaningfully, powerfully, and wrestling with it, we can know him because he wants to be known. He's a personal God. He's a personal God that has come in person. He visited in the stories of the Old Testament with Moses, with Adam and Eve, with Noah, and with others. He comes to, in fire and flame. And he came as a, in Jesus, bodied, incarnate. He's a personal God. He wants to be known. He wants to know you. He does. He wants you to know that he knows you. And in this knowing, with the Holy Spirit as your guide, with the historical church community as your guide, with this church community as your guide. We can know God, we can ask questions. And the more we know him, the more we know that we're known, we will know how to love and serve him in humanity. We will be in our right place. But it's gonna take work. We gotta get out and read the thing. We gotta read the Bible. Like I said at the beginning, read the Bible. It's worth it. It's worth the effort. And we're, you're going to find something in it, I promise you. And so I want to say just in closing, for those of you, I don't know how this is striking you. You're all coming from different places. You've all got masks on, which makes reading your expressions more complicated. But I, I want to say, if, if you are new or nervous or you don't feel as comfortable with the Bible, you're scared of the hard stuff, Marinate in the Gospels. Read the story of Jesus. This is a great place to learn the best expression of who God is. We know that, that, that the Son fully reveals the character of the Father. So read the Gospels. If you are feeling like you're ready to, to step out a little bit more, get into the letters and the epistles. Learn about the early church. And when you're, when you're feeling up to it, there is so much value 
in the Old Testament that can be seen in context of the rest. It can be seen through the lens of Jesus. But don't give up. Get out there. Read it. Wrestle with it. If it's hard, you know you're doing it right. Take breaks. Uh, pray. Start with the Holy Spirit, because I don't want anybody to get, to, to get frustrated. If you're interested in more information about methods and stuff like that, I can put you towards books. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who has questions. But in general, I just want to say, God bless you as you read.